You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hello and welcome back to the Screeners Podcast. My name is Daniel. And this is Chad. And we are back. We are the only ones here tonight, but we do have a full episode tonight. We're going to be reviewing Men in Black International. We're also going to be talking about our top three secret organizations in film. So we're really excited to talk about that. Uh, Before we dive in, Chad, I I have a confession to make to you live on air. I didn't tell you I was going to say this. Uh, we're We're starting to record a little later than normal, and I was getting a little nervous because my wife and I are watching a show. And it starts in an hour and a half, and I, th- I was worried that it w- this was going to take long. But uh, I-, I felt the need to confess the show that we're gonna- that we're watching tonight to you, which is that's the Bachelorette. What? Yeah, <laughs> she got. How me. did this? How did this happen? She got me. So you know, there was a span of. So normally, Chad is the one who who edits our episodes. Uh, but there was a span of like three three weeks where I was I, I was editing a few of the episodes for us. I was doing it, da- you know, downstairs in front of the TV with my wife. I was just oh, no. put my headphones on and and was editing. And it just so happened that the first one was the premiere episode of The Bachelorette. And so you know, I was editing and mocking the show as I was editing. As and you then, should. Yeah, well, of course. But then. I watched the first episode, and then the next week I, I added the episode again. So we did the same routine. I was editing while the show was on, and then it happened a third week. And now I'm three three weeks in. I've seen every episode of this season, <laughs> and so now I'm like, now I'm in getting invested, and so now I'm in. I'm I'm in, and I'm so embarrassed because it's obviously just, not too embarrassed to share with the entire. world. I felt like I needed to. This is what the show's about. It's about what are we, what what are we watching and. And this is what I'm watching right now, Chad. Uh, well, I mean, how number one, how do you feel on the inside? Do you feel it's so uh, bad? In, I mean, because here's the thing: I have a if you, since we're in the process here of yeah. pouring out our souls yeah. to our listeners and our fans, and you were probably two years old. I don't even know how old you were, <laughs> but when the original Bachelor came out, uh-huh. came out, and it was a phenomenon, a yeah. worldwide phenomenon. Everybody watched it. Sure. The show has slowly morphed into something more and more ludicrous and more. Yes. Just kind of trashy in general. But the first Bachelorette was a huge deal because it was the first Bachelorette. Mm -hmm. And I watched that show and (laughs) loved it so much. It was Ryan and Trista, and they actually got married. And I watched their wedding stuff and the whole deal. So as much as I would like to mock you and feel like I still will mock (laughs) you, you I cannot totally say I don't understand it's just so I've never watched a season. I, my my wife watches all the time, and so I've watched things here or there. I, I she's she's always made me watch the men men or women tell all just because it's them yelling yeah. at each other and it's ridiculous and funny. So I've watched that periodically, but this is the first time I've actually like sat down and watched so far an entire season, and it's just so dumb it's and so stupid. Dumb. And you can see every every editing manipulation and yep. all of it. And you know the producers are behind the oh scenes my getting gosh. everybody stirred up. They don't even hide it anymore, Chad. Literally last week, I'm so sad that I'm having this conversation. Last week, <laughs> they literally had the producers talking to Hannah, the Bachelorette, 
like on screen, like talking to her, telling her what to do. They're not, they're not even wow. hiding it. But for some reason, I want to, I, I want to know what happens. Luke P, man. They got you, Daniel. They Luke get P. you. You want to know. You want to know any, Anybody else watching out there knows how ticked off I am because Luke P is still on the show and it's just frustrating and it's just, I'm in, man. I'm in. So I had to well, confess that. We barely have any time to watch TV anymore. This and is true. This and so is you're choosing watching. to watch that, right? <laughs> well, there are. I, there must be something in the water because my wife. I was on a shoot today, and on the way home, uh, my wife called me and asked me if I would be willing to watch a new show that was coming on television hmm. tonight. And so my first question was, "Okay, so what's the name of the show?" And she says, "It's the Grand Hotel." Oh and no! And I haven't, I haven't seen anything about what that is. So I said, "Okay." Uh, what network is it on? Yep. And she says ABC, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's a soap opera. Yes, uh, she's immediately offended that I I am saying that I'm not going to watch it. And then she reminds me that I watched about 16 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. That's true. Tonight, when I finish this recording, I will be watching the first episode of The Grand Hotel. Oh boy, oh boy! <laughs> so I, I see the trailer. I, I see man. the previews for that every time uh, I watch The Bachelorette. So uh, oh, well, there you go. So you so, know what it is. Yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what it is, and it looks just terrible. But uh, oh, who great. am I to judge? Who am I to judge? <laughs> oh boy well now that we um i feel better i don't know about yeah, you i feel better i i don't because i'm gonna go downstairs and watch the bachelorette after we're finished recording so that's uh, fair i don't feel good about myself but uh now that we have fully just completely lost all credibility um and everything we're gonna dive into a review so we're reviewing men in black international and um kind of before we dive into the review we should mention uh it, it was number one at the box office this weekend it won the weekend yep. with Twenty-eight million dollars. Wow! Uh, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea, but that's got to be one of the lowest-grossing summer weekends in a yeah. long time. I mean, twenty-eight million dollars won the weekend. That's rough, and it's kind of a pattern. Not that low, but everything seems to be bombing. I don't know about you, Chad. I can't remember what your box office wager looks like, but mine is um, not doing so good. I can say that. Yeah, it's all over the map. I think my only saving grace is the fact that so many things are doing poorly that the ranking might actually turn out to be okay, right. but who knows? Right. I mean, who knows? Yeah. It, uh, I'm holding out hope. See, every time one of these, because the, my reach, the one that I was really worried about was me putting Shobbs and Haw. What is it? Hobbs yeah, and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. At, at number five. <laughs> and Shobbs and Haw. Shobbs and Haw. See, I'm a big fan, as you can tell. <laughs> but that was my worry. Was, I, was, I was really worried that there was just, I put that too high, but the more that these movies come out yeah. i think i've got a shot i yeah, think i got a honestly, shot honestly and I, I i put detective pikachu at four i mean that just ruined yeah. my bracket and, and we all put aladdin i think way too low oh for sure for sure that did very well. everything so far pretty much anything that's not disney this summer has bombed uh or at least not done as good as as expectations dark phoenix did really poorly men, men in yeah. black international even secret life of pets too those yeah. animated films don't bomb in the summer, and that opened to half the box office of, of the original film. So I don't yeah. know what's going on. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's it's pretty accurate to say that audiences just don't – it's not good enough to just simply put out a new installment uh, of a franchise. I think, you know, because all of those movies we just mentioned also – predominantly didn't get very good reviews they they weren't exactly right. beloved films and so it's one of those things where it's hard to nail down because on the one hand my a knee-jerk reaction would be people are just tired of 
more sequels, mm-hmm. but then you have John Wick 3, sure. which people loved. I think you're on to it, Daniel. I think the bigger issue, because I read an article the other day and I thought it was absolutely ridiculous and I can't remember where it was or I would I would link to it in the show notes, but where they were saying people spent so much money going to Endgame that they're just going to the movies less. Hmm. And I think that's insane. Yeah, I, I think it's think so. true that people are going to the movies less, but I honestly, I think it's because these movies overall just aren't very good. Well, I, I mean, they're no, I, I think it's not I, very good, know. and also they're not exciting people to begin with. I mean, who was right. who do you know who was actually excited for Dark Phoenix or Men in Black International or Se- Secret Life of Pets yeah. Two is the only question mark because kids will go see anything. But yeah, um, I mean, I was I was excited about the potential of Godzilla, but oh, that's um, another one. Yeah, but yeah, that that's that's grossly underperforming as well. So yeah, yeah it's it's I, it's a rough rough summer. Yeah, I know when I saw Men in Black, I saw it early evening screening, like the seven o'clock. Mm-hmm screening on a Saturday opening weekend on the biggest screen that that is available close to me premium seating premium sound and I kid you not Daniel I think there were 12 people in the theater wow my, my, my mean, theater crazy. was full I'll say my theater was full um, mine was not hmm. wow it was not so I don't know I don't know what's going on I, I really do think it's just it's just sequels that people aren't excited about I mean I think Aladdin did well because that's a movie people are excited for obviously Endgame the same thing even Pikachu to a certain extent I think people were excited and that did okay so I just think nobody's excited for these movies and I think I think that's why looking towards the future I mean Spider-Man is gonna do very well people are excited for that for sure. Lion King all yep. these they're all Disney films I mean uh, I, I don't know other movies that people are really excited about now some indie movies are doing okay Toy Story 4 is gonna do fine. Oh, oh yeah of course toy story this upcoming week but yeah, again that's gonna do great. pixar disney yeah yep, yep so you know i don't know i, I don't know why disney uh, seems to be the only the only studio who's doing well let's put now. on our 10 hats there must be some sort of like mind control or something going on yeah it's ridiculous i mean Although, well technically dark phoenix was a disney release uh right but yeah not exactly the same thing all right well with that we will dive into our review of men in black international we are a rumor, recognizable only as deja vu and dismissed just as quickly. We are the best kept secret in the universe. I know, I want in. You erased my parents' memories, but you didn't get mine. Took me 20 years to find you. How many people can say that? I found you, which makes me perfect for this job. All right, that is from the trailer of the latest installment of the Men in Black franchise, Men in Black International, directed by F. Gary Gray, starring Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson, uh, voice work by Kamel Nanjiani, big budget, and all of the trappings of a huge mega success. Mm. But as Daniel has mentioned, it is not. It's not doing very well critically. I believe it sits currently in the low 20s, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes. And here's the thing. Most of the time with films that are underperforming, especially films that were on track to be big successes, you usually hear in your circle of friends, this is a terrible movie. This is a good movie. You have to see it. There's some word of mouth. This is the first movie in quite some time that I honestly have heard none of my friends talk about. Not even, not even. hey, I've seen the trailer, I want to see it, or I don't want to see it. So I'm not sure what this, if they used, what's the little, what's the memory eraser thing? Oh yeah, the neuralizer. Yeah. 
I'm not sure if there's a, a real neuralizer going on around here to make people forget about this movie, but it seems like it, it has really fallen into a, a void, and the box office proves that out. The original Men in Black was a massive yeah. phenomenon yeah. and created this universe and these beloved characters, spawned two successful sequels, and here we got the the continuation of that story with two of the hottest actors yeah. in Hollywood right now, um, voiced by a, an animated character that's really uh, quite funny um, by Camille Nanjiani. Ooh. And so it seemed like all the stars were lining up and then it was just a huge bomb. So let me ask you, Daniel, tell me about your your thoughts on the original Men in Black films and then tell me what you thought about this one. I love Men in Black. I grew up watching... Watching the first one quite often, it's and I and I just rewatched it in preparation for for this film, and it's just so good. Still, yeah. it's what twenty twenty two years old, I think. Yeah, um, and it's it's just so weird and charming and hilarious. It's still so good, and it thrives on the charisma of Will Smith, who was in his prime when that film was made. But it's it's not just Will Smith. It's high production value, makeup work, and visuals that are still 20 however many years later just phenomenal and it lo- looks really really good uh so the first one is is a classic to me men in black 2 isn't isn't very good um but men in black 3 which was only i think five years ago right um and that that one's pretty solid it's not amazing or anything but i i like yeah. it it's it's good yeah. and we, we just rewatched that one as well so i was actually really hoping for the best i'm i'm okay with a reboot and i'm okay with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones not being involved because I think the world here is really interesting and funny and has a lot of potential. And Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth are great. And so uh, I was all in for this reboot, to be honest. The trailers were were the kind where you could see it going either way, where I didn't think they were bad trailers, but I couldn't tell if I was actually going to like it. And unfortunately, I know exactly which way I've leaned. The, the, The filmmakers... They really just forgot everything that made this franchise special. Maybe they were the ones who were neuralized because Men in Black was one of the most weird and original franchises, for better or worse, and Men in Black International committed one of the worst sins that a movie can. It's just so generic and so boring. And rather than special-looking prosthetics and these, these aliens who feel real and tangible, everything's just CGI. This film is full, chock-full of all CGI characters. I genuinely can't remember any characters uh, in this film, any any um, aliens other than Rebecca Ferguson, who are not CGI. They're all just CGI. And uh, the creatures aren't interesting. They're not unique looking. The story is so boring that I feel like the, the film doesn't even try to get you to care. There are, there are plot holes and time jumps that don't even make sense. So it's just frustrating. Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth, they, they have decent chemistry and they're fun to watch just because they're likable. But the rest of the movie is just so genuinely boring that there's 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 very little to care about. And I don't know how you can make a Men in Black film that's boring. Uh, I mean, if anything, it should at least be weird. This one isn't. It's just bland. And uh, the story is insultingly easy to figure out from the second this movie started. Oh, yeah. Literally the first, uh, honestly, the first, I would say, 30 seconds of this movie, I, I know exactly what's going to happen in terms of this twist that, that's there. I, I knew it from the first 30 seconds of the film. There is no effort to make anyone, any, any adult think anything other than, than how the twist was going to turn out. I even I love Kumail Nanjiani and his his alien character. You said he was funny. 
man, I didn't think so. I thought his character was horrible. And for half the movie, he was a complete afterthought. Action, horrible. <laughs> action would be action Ouch. would be going on, and uh, the film would just like cut Forget to him. About him. It would cut yeah. to him for like a one-liner and then cut to the action, and the human characters didn't even acknowledge that he existed. It would just be like these these little things happening that didn't... I was like, are they imagining... Is is he fake? Is he like breaking the fourth wall? Because the, the humans aren't even reacting to this character. I was wondering if he was added in after the fact. It was very strange. So overall, I, I have so many other things to say, but I just, I just found this movie... I, there are worse movies... Uh, this summer, even there have been worse movies, but, uh, this movie might, might've made me angrier than most movies because it's just an insult to this franchise because even if it's, again, it's not horrible, but it's so, so boring and so generic. And and I just don't know how you do that with such a weird and interesting franchise. I don't know how you could possibly make such a boring movie. So I'm a, I'm really annoyed. I'm really, really annoyed with this movie. Daniel with his grumpy pants yes, on tonight. They are on. I'd rather wow. watch The Bachelorette than watch this. <laughs> yeah, you movie. need to go cleanse your palate with yeah. a nice session of The Bachelorette. Well, very much like you, I remember how exciting the first Men in Black film was. Obviously, Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones, huge movie stars. Uh, it had a really cool visual sensibility mm-hmm. that felt fresh at the time. It was kind of this cartoony slash technology intermingled with spycraft or mm. you know secret societies and it was just really cool it was just a neat concept so men in black 2 people were very excited for agreed with you daniel it's not a very good movie i think men in black 3 was a return yeah. not to its original form but certainly uh, enjoyable and i thought you know even looking back we didn't mention it specifically but this film is directed by f gary gray who is known for Friday, the original Friday, the movie Friday. He did The Italian Job, The Negotiator. He did Straight Out of Compton. He did um, Fate of the Furious. And so Fate of the Furious specifically gave me some hope that his sensibilities, because those movies are cartoons. Right. And so it made me think that this was a perfect marriage. And so on paper, when I look at all of the people that are involved in this film, I don't I can't go through this and say, well, this obviously should have been directed by somebody else or a different actor or whatever. But for some reason, none of it adds up to anything that is exciting or funny. This this movie has so many obvious punchlines where it's clear that the writers or within the action that they're showing you are trying to land a comedic beat and almost none of them land. They fall completely flat. Yep. And so as a watcher, it it makes you just kind of deflated in the moment. Now, I disagree with you a little bit about Camille Nanjiani's character because I said he was funny because I actually do think there are moments where his character is funny. But even in that world... It's not, he's cute, his design is cute, Mm. but you're really just laughing at Kamel Nanjiani. Like, they don't do anything to make that character seem like a real character, real quote-unquote, within the alien world. They just use it as a cipher for Kamel to riff using his existing uh, comedic sensibilities. So sometimes that worked for me, but again, it pulled me out of the movie almost every time that that I saw it. The biggest crime that this movie commits is that... It treats the audience as if we are all idiots and as if we have never seen a movie before. 
It sets up all of its cards on the table and puts it puts the stakes in such a way that we have seen literally four dozen times before, yep. but it still plays it as if it is some great revelatory experience. And so as a result of that, there's no tension. Combine that with the fact that there's really no comedy that lands. Combine that with the fact that the story is boring, mm-hmm. and this is the first movie that I've watched this summer, and I, I was on record, Daniel, you weren't on that podcast, but I'm on record as saying I hate Godzilla, King of the Monsters, yep. hate it. I absolutely, I, f- as angry as you are, I was as angry at <laughs> Godzilla, okay? But even in Godzilla, at no time did I check my watch Or think to myself, man, this is really beating me down. This film, no less than three or four times, because usually when I see a movie, I turn my brightness on my phone all the way down to zero, obviously, because I want to be respectful. Mm -hmm. And I turn it away from me in the cup holder so that I can't see it. Three or four times in this movie, I turned it around so that I could glance at what time it was because I was so bored. And because there were only 12 people in the theater, so I knew nobody (laughs) would be distracted by it. But... That, I mean, are you kidding me with a men in black film? Yeah. We're that bored. Yeah. And so, you know, visually it does some interesting things. I mean, the guns are still super cool. There are moments where the character designs are unique and interesting, but overall, I mean, there's a really, this is the script is really poor there. This is a movie where there's a scene where there's an object and I want to avoid spoilers. I won't talk about what the object is, but there's an object and Tessa Thompson Thompson's character, uh, it's on the ground and she's looking at it and she's reaching towards it and it's moving. And Chris Hemsworth's character says, what is it doing? And she says, it's moving. <laughs> That's a real scene in this, in this. And there's maybe 10 of those examples of that kind of just very on the nose, very exposition heavy. And it, that wasn't um, like that, that what you just read reads is funny, but it wasn't supposed to be funny. No, it's not a joke. <laughs> it was like, actually it wasn't a saying, joke. It's like yeah. literally just saying, Oh, it's moving, right? It's just weird because it's almost as if they thought just putting this film and these characters in this universe will provide enough internal quirk that people will enjoy it. And that's not the case because, unfortunately, we've had three of these before. And so at, at some point with these sequels, same thing with Godzilla, same thing with all these other films that are coming out, you have to tell a good story. Mm-hmm. You have to make us laugh. You have to captivate us with something that, not, not even something that we haven't seen before, but there has to be some sort of effort made in the telling of the thing to captivate us. Yep. And this feels like it was just a complete phone in. I think Liam Neeson is great at being Liam Neeson, right? He has that really awesome voice and he's has a, a, a commanding presence. And I think there is chemistry between Hemsworth and, and Thompson, but even Tessa Thompson, who I love in almost everything. Yeah. She has lots of moments that are very kind of wooden and, and forced and, I can't tell if she's trying to be funny or if she's trying to be awkward because she's the new kid on the block. And they do, they have this ongoing storyline with Hemsworth care, Hemsworth's character where he's kind of a mess, but they don't really do anything with it. They do so nothing it, with it, you know, it's, it's very just paint by numbers. And so uh, unfortunately 
this is kind of the theme of the last four movies that I've seen this yeah. summer. I'm never going to revisit these again, and I think they're all pretty bad. This has been, honestly, a pretty rough summer. You know, I, I we were talking about the box office uh, a bit ago. The movies that have done well are also, or even just done okay at the box office, are also some of the only ones that are worth seeing. I mean, um, right. even Aladdin, which I didn't love but was fine, and... You know that's that's kind of the the theme theme of this summer. I I'm very disappointed with this entire crop of movies. Uh, I'm really hoping that the uh, the summer starts to pick up here soon. I was just so disappointed with this film because, like you talked about, everything in this film, putting it in this universe doesn't just make it good. They removed everything that was actually interesting of the of the universe. I mean, yeah, Rick Baker's special effects, his special makeup effects, were some of the best things about the original all three movies including the most recent one in uh, the yeah. men in black three and I, I genuinely can't remember a single non-cgi alien other than other than rebecca ferguson who uh, stars as an alien creature apparently from a planet whose creatures look exactly like humans but with striped <laughs> wigs i mean it's just right. lazy and uh, such bland production design, bland makeup effects, bl- generic special effects, not bad effect like special effects, not bad CGI, but it just looks like everything else. There's nothing special about it. The idea that at this point, still most of what we get on the technology side is essentially cooler, bigger guns yep. and a flying car, yep, that's it. which admittedly they look cool when they're happening somewhat. But that's essentially the extent of the new technology that we get in this film. I mean, come on. There's an opportunity here. There's a cool opening. And, you know, I don't know that we're going to dig too deeply into spoilers here, Uh Daniel. So maybe we just give kind of a from this point forward, we're going to talk a little bit about the plot. But there's there's a setup at the beginning that involves the Eiffel Tower. And there's just an opportunity for a lot of cool gadgetry that's part of what we love about this franchise and even that stuff seems like they were sitting around and it was the first idea they thought of let's pull off the exhaust pipe and it'll become a cannon oh let's pull off the the mirror and it'll become a bomb and then the car that flies i mean come on it just it's just very very disappointing i think what i was bothered by is is the the fact that this film seems to have no no comedic timing no knowledge of comedic timing it doesn't get what's funny and what's not because so little of this film is funny uh other than i'll i'll admit kumail nanjiani's character has a couple one-liners but i was just more frustrated at the fact that he seemed to be completely separated from the rest of the film go back if any of you are brave enough to go watch this film or revisit it if you've already seen it Pay close attention to every scene with Camille's character, especially after he goes tags along with them and there he's in the middle of action scenes. His scenes, if you cut them out and left every, every single thing intact, they don't look at him. They don't he'll make he'll say something or make a joke or do something, and nobody else will look at him, pay attention to him, laugh at him, do anything. It's as if he's not even there. Because, spoiler alert, he's not really there on set, so I think they forgot about his character. It's just it's just mind-boggling. Um, and there are long stretches of time where he is a non-presence. Yeah. I mean, a complete non-presence. He's in a pocket. Even though he is there. Right. He's just, they they just wait to throw in a comedic line at the very end. One of the yeah. things that was the most annoying was that sets up, this is all in the trailer, so there's no spoilers here. Uh, it sets up Tessa Thompson's character as somebody who discovers men in black. She, she, she sees them as a child 
and kind of goes on a lifelong quest to, to find and discover the real men in black. And so she eventually does it. And that's kind of how she, she becomes an agent. Right. And then the movie, like once she becomes an agent, they, they agree to let her stay. Then it just like, it says she's going to be, be trained. It just like skips over everything. And all of a sudden she's paired with an agent, right? Did I miss something there? Like, I know she was a probationary. Uh, no, agent. it's one of the worst setups for this kind of thing that I have ever seen. Does this whole thing with Emma Thompson's character that is actually pretty cool when she first meets her and there's like a little mini interrogation and she explains why you want to be a part of the men in black and then she tells her why because I have nobody else I have nothing else and so she agrees to let her be on a, as a probationary um, agent and then it has one literally one scene it takes about 12 seconds where uh, Emma Thompson looks at her test results and it says like alien foreign language 97% something yeah. else 97% and then they're like oh She's in, and then they fast track her, and then they send her to London. Yeah, I was like, what What did they cut out? All of a sudden, it just jumped over everything. Yeah. It was so strange. And I was like, thinking back to the first Men in Black, that was some of the most interesting stuff that could happen. This whole yeah. agent who do- doesn't know what Men in Black is, doesn't know what he's doing. And for her, it just skipped over all that to get this to this generic plot with Chris Hemsworth character. It was very bizarre. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense within the internal logic of the film because they literally told her, you're a probation. We're going to see if you can cut it, but we're going to send you into the middle of the biggest problem in the entire agency. It makes makes no sense, which, again, I know we have to have a movie and there has to be an inciting incident. But at some point, give us a little something more to care about there, because it really did just skip straight over all of that stuff, which with Tessa Thompson's character had the potential to be really interesting, at least, but was not. They're not interested in that. They just want to get right down to the act. Yeah, it was just it was just so lazy. And I'm going to touch on something that's minor spoilers here really does not impact the plot of the film, but just kind of a spoiler for something later on that happens in the film. Well, I guess starting before that, something that happens at the beginning of the film is the way she discovers Men in Black. You know, she sees that meets this alien, right? This little tiny cute alien. She saves it. So here comes the spoiler towards the end. When she meets that alien again, I thought that was one of the most contrived uh, oh, yeah. lucky oh all of a sudden it's here's the alien from the beginning of the movie right just in time to save our lives um, I thought it was unbelievably stupid and uh, just kind of took deflated that entire scene not that not that there were high stakes or not that I cared anyway but then it deflated it even more it just said oh and now we're fine um, I was yeah. so frustrated yeah, you know what, and when you said that, it made me think of the another scene. I agree wholeheartedly, but it made me think of another scene, which I also hated. Again, spoilers, we're in spoilers now, so sure. it's the section where we first see Hemsworth in uh, in London, and he's at this table where this high-stakes gambling and the yeah. three-headed uh, poisonous serpent, and there's this whole big fight, and this whole crazy thing happens, and then he is poisoned by the serpent and the crime boss is poisoned by the serpent. And the only one who has the antidote is what we think to be is the crime boss's wife or or girlfriend or mistress or whatever. And he looks at her and Chris Hemsworth begs and says, please give it to me. I'll do anything. And she looks back at him and says anything. And then it cuts to a shot of them waking up together in bed the next day. Now that sounds like that could be humorous, it is not. I laughed at that quite a bit, but it was in spite of the film. The film treated that moment very seriously. Right. That's what I mean. And that's what I, what I mean. I laughed so hard because it's 
utterly hilarious. And then I realized, oh, wait, is this not supposed to be a joke? Like, there's no, there's none of the weird, like, oh, no, what did I do? What did I just sleep with or whatever? No, it's just he slept with her. And yeah. there it is. They and, play it straight. And then yeah. I want to make sure I didn't miss something. Again, we're, we're in spoilers here. Did they ever do anything with that? Like, it no. felt like that I, was... I kept thinking when they were talking about the woman of murder yes. or whatever, that they were talking about that character. Right. But it wasn't. No. and <laughs> That's and, why I was completely surprised at the end when it turned out to be a completely different character. Yes. And the whole movie, it, it, it felt like that moment was yeah. messing with Chris Hemsworth's character for this whole thing. And I was waiting yep. for the 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 other, you know, the other, I don't know, I'm mixing my metaphors here, the other shoe to drop, whatever. And and nothing ever, I, I honestly felt like I missed something. And, and they never seemed to address that ever again, even though it seemed like that really impacted his character. Well, you would think so, but this was another example of, the on the noseness, if you will, of of the script. When we have the other, we have the character who dies. I can't remember his race, that uh, his alien race, yeah, yeah. Um, that they that dies while they're trying to protect him. He was going to give Hemsworth the weapon, but he reaches out and touches him, and his hands glow, and he looks at him, and he just says, "You've changed." Yeah. And then he reaches out to the other to Tessa Thompson and, and does the same thing, and then he gives it to her. It just literally spells it out and says, "You've changed." Right. It's just super lazy it's all of that stuff like you're saying that leads up to a a place where you think narratively it's going to pay off but instead of doing that they just kind of skip ahead to whatever the next thing that happens is and so you get this real disjointed kind of experience from a story standpoint really bizarre i i'm just so so frustrated there are worse movies you know i think godzilla was a worse movie than this i think agreed um, i think hellboy was far worse than this but this is just, it's just, I don't know how you take Men in Black and you get this film. I don't understand how that even happens. I mean, this is just poor. I mean, there's no sense of comedic timing. There is, there's nothing interesting. The story is terrible. It's just, I, I'm just so confused as to how yeah. you get such a boring and bland movie from it is franchise. hard to believe because Chris Hemsworth is really funny as yes. uh, as an actor. Uh, and Tessa Thompson's phenomenal. She's, She's great. great. So, and, and Liam Neeson. And, and again, we're in spoilers now. The idea that anybody was surprised oh my gosh. that Liam Neeson was the actual mole or bad guy is so ridiculous. I thought for about one minute that they were going to do an awesome thing. So at the end of the fight scene with Rebecca Ferguson's character... And Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson's character are they're escaping and they're confronted by these two creatures again. And then the men in black appear out of nowhere with these new guns, the voltage guns, and they kill the characters. And then we we have the confrontation where we all think at this point, because it's been set up, we think that the mole is a hundred percent Liam Neeson's character. Right. And he comes up to them and they have this conversation and he says there's this pause in their conversation where he's congratulating them and he takes the item back. He takes the weapon back, has a slow push in on his hand wrapping around it. So the cinematic language at that moment is making us believe that the turn is about to happen and that Liam Neeson is going to double cross them. And then it cuts back and there's this very long pause, a couple of seconds at least. And we're waiting for him to pull out his gun or do something. And instead he goes, all right, let's go back. And then it comes back and everybody's clapping and cheering. And for a moment I thought, 
he's not the bad guy. They've set us up to believe that he was the one and it's actually going to be somebody else. I don't know what's happening now. This is cool. But no, three minutes later, it was exactly what you thought it was. It's just unbelievably lazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yep. That that just really defines the whole film. It just felt lazy and in, honestly that the way i describe that twist is just insulting like they, they treated the audience like they were actually just stupid and um yeah it's just really it's really disappointing well daniel i think uh i don't know that we need to do this but we'll do it anyway as we wrap up and get ready to do our top three do you think people should see this in the theater should they rent it should they stream it on a service that they already pay for or should they skip it altogether? Uh, I mean, like I said, there are worse movies, but don't pay a cent for this film. Um, I mean, I, I guess stream it. I don't think you'll be as angry as I am watching it if you watch it on Netflix, but it's a very, very, very hesitant stream it. Very close to skipping it because there's just no point. It's not going to set up a future franchise. So, uh, you know, as I'm talking, I'm just going to go for the skip. I'm going for it. Yay. Go for the skip because... Dive in there, Daniel. Just pretend like the it, first. This may be your first skip. No, it's not my first one, but it's darn close. And uh, you know, just pretend like pretend like the Men in Black franchise stayed with Will Smith, and pretend that this one do- doesn't exist. Because in my mind, I won't even remember that it exists in a couple months. Yeah, this is a movie that when the icon pops up on your Netflix account, you're going to be tempted to just give it a, a click and uh, settle in on a Friday night and, and and watch it, right? And you're going to start watching it, and then you're going to start checking your watch, yep. and you're not going to enjoy it. And so I am in agreement with Daniel. On the worthiness scale, I say skip it. I don't think it's even worth a watch. And that's sad, but that's our Very opinion sad. on Men in Black International. It's been a bummer of a summer so far, and hopefully it's going to turn around starting with Toy Story 4 next week. Yes. But in the meantime, Daniel, let's talk about something a little bit happier, hopefully, and that's our top three. Three, two, one. The top three. The only thing that could be inspired by Men in Black International is a top three. And so we are inspired by the film. Uh, We're going to be talking about our top three secret organizations in film. All right, as always, with our top three, there are no rules, just however you want to interpret secret organizations in film. uh, And uh, and we'll go from there. So, So, Chad, we're going to start with you. What What is your number three secret organization in film? Well, Daniel, I must be honest, this was a difficult assignment. It was very hard. Because we originally started, you know, we we try to pick our top threes. We'll give people a little glimpse behind the curtain here. We try to pick our top threes and align them somewhat, obviously, with the film that we're talking about for that week. And this originally started out as possibly top three films that have secret societies. But you very quickly had the idea of instead of doing movies that are just our favorite movies with secret societies, let's actually pick our top three favorite secret societies in film or TV. And that changes things quite a bit (laughs) because how do you determine the criteria It was hard for me to kind of separate my favorite films that contain these societies versus what I think were the actual coolest societies portrayed in film. So that, but I tried to do that. So my number three is a fairly recent one. It's from a, a, a it's from a film that was I think that year was one of my biggest surprises of the year. Made my top ten very unexpectedly, and that is 
The Kingsman. Nice. I love those movies and I love the world building that has happened around them. So uh, for all of the same reasons, Men in Black, and you know, that's that's really, it's interesting, we didn't talk about it during the review, but Kingsman has that cool, uh, fresh factor to it that yeah. Men in Black used to have. Now it's certainly a little bit raunchier and a little bit harder. Um, it's a different kind of thing, but it has that kind of neat vibe that makes you feel like you're watching something that's cool whereas um, men in black uh, international did not so for me it was the kingsman great pick i had that down as well it's a fantastic organization uh really cool that's a good comparison too to the men in black series it definitely feels like the same kind of vibe even though it's a little bit uh you know more raunchy but uh yeah that's a great pick well, for me, I was I really racked my brain because, and I didn't have that many secret organizations to choose from. So, uh, uh, and I I did exclude Men in Black from the list just because yeah. that's too obvious. So that would have for sure made my list had that not been the film that we were reviewing. But yeah, for my number three pick, I settled on an organization that uh, I think we all wish existed because it's just freaking cute, and that would be Monsters Inc. <laughs> yes monsters yes you know what a great and, pick and now they're making us laugh making our kids laugh and that's powering the city and so don't we wish the monsters in the closet were were these uh fun fun creatures like mike and sully so uh, yes i think uh i think that's a that's a pretty awesome secret organization. that's a great pick that's a great pick i discovered last night on the way home my son and i were talking seven and we realized in all of the pixar viewing that he has experienced, he doesn't remember Monsters, Inc. because the last time he saw it, he was probably three. Wow. And so he used to run around the house, Mike Wazowski, all the time, but he doesn't really remember it. So this weekend, we're going to fix that problem. So that's a great pick. Nice. Awesome. All right, Chad, back to you. What is your number two secret organization? My number two is one from a film that I love, and it's, you know, at this point it's kind of become cliche, and it's a part of the cultural zeitgeist. I've seen this movie, I, I don't even know how many times, I my goodness, 50 to 100 times in my life, and it was a seminal work for me when I was growing up, and that is The Dead Poets Society. Oh, nice. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. The Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. Now, who knows what that means? Carpe diem. That sees the day. Very good, Mr. Meeks. Meeks. Another unusual name. Seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Why does the writer use these lines? Because he's in a hurry. No. Ding! Thank you for playing anyway. Because we are food for worms, lads. Because believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. I'd like you to step forward over here and peruse some of the faces from the past. You've walked past them many times. I don't think you've really looked at them. They're not that different from you, are they? Same haircuts, full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. 
Did they wait until it was too late to make from their lives even one iota of what they were capable? Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in. Listen. You hear it? <clears throat> I absolutely, I love that movie. And at that time, I was in high school uh, getting ready to plan what I wanted to do when I went to college. And it just really, what they represented, what they stood for, and how that teacher impacted their lives really resonated with me uh, just on a very personal level. So when I was thinking about this list, it immediately popped, you know, to the top of my of my thoughts. Fantastic. I haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, it's been a very long time. I didn't even Yeah, watch I haven't it. either. I didn't even watch it after Robin Williams passed away, but uh yeah, that's definitely one I need to revisit because it's a fantastic yeah. film. Uh well, for me, I guess one thing I didn't say about my criteria is that I I kind of picked organizations that I wish existed. Um, and cool. so, so for my number two pick, it kind of continues in that vein. I think we all wish this next organization existed and that would be the ministry of magic from the Harry <laughs> Potter franchise. Um, yes. I, I haven't gotten my letter. I haven't gotten my, my Hogwarts letter. Maybe it's too late. I don't know, but we all wish that existed and maybe it does. Yep. And maybe it does in, in more than in just our hearts. Awesome. Yes. Great pick. Yes, except for uh, we're going to pretend that the Fantastic Beasts film don't exist because they're just mm-hmm. no good. Well, if you're magic, you can just make them go away. There you go. All right, Chad, what is your number one secret organization in film? So this one uh, is actually, it's interesting that you said the uh, the order of magic there. This was the one that I struggled going back and forth between one and two, and it ended up being my number one. And it's probably a little bit of a cheat because it's primarily of my, it's primarily comes from my love, the books that, uh, that they're in and not really as much as how they're portrayed in the film. But when you ask me what's my top secret society in film, it's number one for me. And it's also from Harry Potter and it's the order of the Phoenix. Ah, nice. And so now it's not the best film by any stretch of the imagination, but Everything about the the arcs in those characters and where they are at that time, uh, it has to be my number one. Wow, nice! Is that your favorite Harry Potter film? No, the second one is uh, not Chamber of Secrets, but uh, is Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, number three is yeah. is the is the best one, but um, the one that Curran directed. The Harry Potter series for me is interesting because I think almost all the movies are are just good. They're yeah, really good. Yeah, I agree. Not really one that's outstanding except for that one. So. For me, that's why I say this a little bit of a cheat because I'm letting my literary love yeah. of what they represent push it to the top. But hey, Chris isn't here, so somebody's got to screw it up. Yeah, yeah. Chris would have picked the book instead of. Uh, For sure. Yeah, so there you no, go. because Chris hasn't read the book. But are you serious? He would have picked the audio book. I'm sure. Oh wow. All right. Well, my number one secret organization in film is is definitely one that I wish existed, but uh, not not exactly one that I would be ready to be a part of, and that is the IMF. The Impossible Mission Force. Mr. Chairman, 
The IMF's misadventures date back to my earliest days at the CIA when the IMF broke into the CIA to steal a list of covert operatives. And now, more recently, a Russian warhead. Disarmed Russian warhead. A Russian nuclear warhead. Rendered safe by the IMF. Clipped the Transamerica Pyramid before plunging into the San Francisco Bay. Saving the Western Hemisphere. This made possible by IMF agents who did willingly provide the launch codes to a known terrorist. Do I have that right, Agent Brandt? I can neither confirm nor deny details of any such operation without the Secretary's approval. This was the same week that the IMF infiltrated the Kremlin. Here is the Kremlin before. And the Kremlin after. I can neither confirm nor deny details of any operation without, without the Secretary's approval. Yes, we know. In fact, until this panel appoints a new Secretary, you really can't say much of anything, can you, Agent Brandt? Well, I didn't write the rules, Mr. Hunley. Mr. Chairman, the so-called Impossible Mission Force is not just a rogue organization. It is an outdated one, a throwback to an era without transparency and without oversight. Mr. Chairman. The time has come to dissolve the IMF Mr. Chairman. and transfer their salvageable assets to the CIA. Mr. Chairman, the IMF has operated without oversight for 40 Mr. years. Chairman. Now, are its methods unorthodox? Mr. Yes. Chairman. Are its results less than perfect? Absolutely. But without the IMF, there will be, be order and stability. Without the IMF. This panel recognizes the IMF's contribution to global security. But the events laid out by CIA Director Hunley also show a pattern of wanton brinksmanship and a total disregard for protocol. From where I sit, your unorthodox methods are indistinguishable from chance, and your results, perfect or not, look suspiciously like luck. I'm afraid today is the day when the IMF's luck runs out. Because yes, we, I knew you were going to pick of that. Of course, <laughs> because we all wish that Ethan Hunt was out there saving the day, putting on yep. masks climbing on top of the Dubai Tower, whatever it's called, and just yep. saving our lives, and we don't even know he exists. That is definitely a secret organization, one of my favorite in film. Inexplicably, those movies just keep getting better and better and How better. How is it possible But they do? They're just so good. So good. And That's uh, an awesome pick, Daniel. Yeah, can't wait for the next one. All right, Chad, did you have any honorable mentions for this list? I did have a couple. Um, this is not in keeping with your list. These aren't necessarily things that I wish existed, but I thought uh, I thought of Fight Club. I thought that was ha, nice. uh, interesting. Um, and then, even though it's also recent, I think the the and I don't know what you would call it, but the Assassins Hotel world right. in John Wick, I think, is super cool. Yeah. I just think that world building and and the way that that works within the world is very cool. Nice. Those are great picks. How about uh, you? I also had Kingsman down on there. Yeah. Um, I had, this is a very populous pick, but S.H.I.E.L.D., of course, um, yeah. is, a, is a great, I don't know if it's secret. Is it? Is it? Is it public knowledge at this point in, in the universe of Marvel that S.H.I.E.L.D. exists? I, I kind of lost track. I don't track. know. Yeah, I don't but, know. Uh, but I wrote it down anyway. And then also, not from film, but from TV, SD6. Do you remember SD6? Mm-mm. From Alias. Uh, oh yes, yes. yes. So I loved good. Alias back in the day. Yes, so good. I love that very series cool. a lot. Kind of drops off towards the end, but uh, a very, very good, good series and an awesome organization that you never know very exactly cool. where they stand. So, so here, yeah, those are all my honorable mentions. Um, as always, we want to hear from you guys. Let us know your top three secret organizations in film or TV, and uh, let us know what we missed. Let us know where we went wrong. 
All right, with that, we are going to wrap up this show. Thanks for joining us for this uh, this review of Men in Black International and our top three. Wish it could have been better as far as the film goes, but alas, it's the summer that we're in. Join us next time for our very anticipated review of Toy Story 4. We'll see you there. Woohoo! And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.